Well, good evening. It's good to see all of you back this evening. Uh, it's an encouragement when you're up here speaking that there's actually someone out there to listen to you. So it's good to, good to see you. I appreciate the prayer on my, beh- on my behalf, and I uh, thank Brent for asking me to speak tonight. And uh, there are several scriptures that he mentioned this morning that, that I'm going to have in my lesson too, and I think it'll correlate really well. The title of tonight's lesson is, Why Do You Do More Than Others? And this comes out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 40 through, 4 through 48, which reads as this, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's not easy, is it, to pray for your enemies? For those that curse you, for those that hate you, for those that persecute you. It's not easy to pray for someone like that, is it? No, it's not. Um, I've done that before. I didn't really want to do it. But I've done it. It helps to do that. It pleases God that we would do that. You see, Christians, we're a little different. We should be different anyway. We are, we are supposed to excel above others. Not that we're better than others, but simply our lives are different than the non-Christian. Why is that? Well, a real simple question, because God is in our life. That makes a lot of difference. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 12... The Bible says, even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. We're to seek to excel. When we speak to others, when we do things in this world, we help others, we, uh, whatever we do at our work, at our job, at the grocery store, Walmart, wherever you're at, your actions and the things you say, should be something that builds up the church. And we all know the church is not this building. It's, it's you. It's you and I. It's people that we have like minds and like faith in. And we're to build up those things by our actions. Christians are not to be average. Why is that? Why are we not to be average? Well, because we're sons of God. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27... It reads, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you, of you as, as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You know, once we put on Christ in baptism, we walk in a new in newness of life. We become sons and daughters of God. Our concern should not be about earthly things. It should be about, uh, I thought it should be about heaven to achieve that goal, to reach that goal, to bring others that we love and care about with us. Christians are not to be average. 
Why is that? Well, because we have salvation. A non-Christian does not. Mark 16, 16 says, He who believes and is, and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. He who believes and is baptized. Okay, and, a, a little small three-letter word, and. <clears throat> Webster says that that word, and, is used as a function word to indicate that two words or expressions are to be taken together. Now, I've used this example before. It's kind of corny, I guess. But, I, I, you know, when, you, when you've worked at a bank for 30 years, then you use banking lingo or whatever. So, um, let's say John, John and Jane Doe come to the bank, and they have this check made out. And it's made out to John and Jane Doe. So, John signs the check and gives it to the teller. And he or she says, I'm sorry, but I can't cash this because Jane hasn't signed it. Or Jane signs it, and John doesn't sign it, and the teller says the same thing. I, I can't cash this. Well, why is that? Because it's made out to both of you. John and Jane. Had it been John or Jane, then, you know, you, either one of you could have signed it individually. Kind of a corny example, but and in the banking world means that those two things go together. And that's what this is here, uh, that scripture about baptism, believe and be baptized. It goes together. So if we believe and we will be baptized, we will. This is something that we must pass on to others. We should not accept other ways in which we must be saved. Christians are not average. Well, why is that? Because we have promises that the non-Christian doesn't have. In 2 Peter 1 and 4, it, the Bible says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. When we become a Christian, we have promises from God that the non-believers do not have. We have a home in heaven one day. We don't have to face the world as others do. You recall that last week, Jay gave a very good lesson about hope and non-hope. Hope meaning those of us that believe in God and have been baptized, have our sins forgiven, they're washed away, we have a hope to go to heaven. The non-Christian, of course, not having any hope because they, that has not been done for them and can't be done any other way. As Christians, as sons and daughters of God, we should do more than others. We should do more than others by loving God more. In 1 John 4.19, the Bible says, We love Him because He first loved us. I'm about to tell you something that you know already, but I just like to say it because it reminds me of how great God is. To think that before I was even born, that, that God knew me. He knew me, and He also knew, and Jesus knew, that I was going to make some mistakes. I was going to sin. Before I was born, 
God knew I was going to sin. And Jesus knew I was going to sin. And yet, knowing that, he still went through with that death on the cross. That's always amazing to me. I just, it's, it's, it's hard for me to understand, yet I know it's real. It's, it's, it's amazing. We love him because he first loved us. Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Not part of your heart, not part of your soul, not part of your mind. He says all. And if we do that, that's with all of our being. We can't do anything more than that. But we're to do that, and Jesus has said we're to do that. Christians should do more than others by loving each other more. 1 Peter 22 and 23, 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. The Word of God lives and abides forever. We're different because this Bible lives and abides forever. There are a lot of good books in the world to read. I'm not an avid reader. I need to be. But I'm not. But I know a lot of you probably read a lot of good books. And there are a lot of good ones. A lot of bad ones too. But the, let's focus on the good ones. Even those good ones, they're not going to abide forever, are they? They won't abide forever. Um, but the Bible is going to abide forever. We need to love like our lives depended on it. You know, when you become a Christian, your, your new life is not like your old one. You're a different person. Your new life comes from what God and Jesus has done for you and I. And we need to show love, this love to each other. John 13, 35, by, all, by this all we know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, you and I both know that unfortunately, unfortunately, there have been splits in congregations. There has been disunity in congregations. And most of the time, it is not over biblical things. It's over things like, well, we built this new building, and part of the people wanted red carpet, and part of the people wanted blue carpet. And so those that wanted the red got their way, and everybody got offended that wanted the blue, and they left. Well, we were putting new appliances in the fellowship area, and somebody wanted Maytag, and someone wanted GE, and the Maytag people got it, so the GE people left. How ridiculous is that? And yet, that happens. It shouldn't. If we love one another like we're supposed to, those things, those are trivial. Who cares what color the carpet is? Does that get us salvation? No. But we need to, to, to uh, not have these splits and discontentment in our congregations. Christians are, should do more than others by learning God's Word more. Hebrews 5 and 12 
says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have, be, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. If you and I come up here on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, which is a good thing to do, but if that's the only time we read the Bible, that's the only time we think about Scripture, then we're like this example here. We're going to be milk on milk from here on. We're never going to be on solid food. We're never going to grow. We're never going to bring someone to Christ that needs to be brought to Christ. Because why? Because we don't know what, what's in here. We don't know. We always say, well, you need to know why you believe what you believe. Well, you'll know if you read this. There's a lot of religious groups in our world. They have no idea what they, why they do what they do. They just know that that's a tradition. That's what you do. Uh, but if you ask them, why do you do this? Well, I'm not really sure. We've, we've just always done it. That's not an answer. And it shouldn't be our answer either. People that do not have like faith with us will question why we do some of the things we do. Maybe like partaking of the Lord's Supper as we did this morning. Why do you do that every Sunday? We need to have an answer for that. Why do you not sing with musical instruments? We need to have an answer for that. But we need to study the Word more than Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. A question for you, a question for me. Of course, and I'm not asking you to answer this out loud. And you only need to answer it for yourself, so don't be thinking about, well, I know what so-and-so's answer is. No, your answer is yours, and mine is mine. But the question is, our year, as you know, is coming to a close. There's not much time left in 2022. But the question you and I should ask ourselves, am I stronger in knowing the Scripture in 2022 than I was in 2021? That's an answer that only you can you can give, but ask yourself that question. If you're not, then we need, you need to get to studying more and, and understand what God wants us to do. In 2 Peter 3.18, we read, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christians should do more than others by having more faith. We need to have more faith. Romans 10, 17, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. A scripture I don't have up there, Hebrews 11, 1, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can't trust, you can't ha or have faith unless you hear or study the Bible. You have not ever physically seen God. I have not ever physically seen God. I did not see Jesus die on the cross. You did not see Jesus die on the cross. That was not him in, in the movie that, that depicted all that. But we know what happened. We know there's a God. We know that he created heavens and the earth. We know it because we have the word of God. And we have faith in that. Because as was mentioned earlier, the, the, the word of God never goes away. It's always here. Christians should do more than others by going the extra mile. 
In, in Matthew 5 and 41, it reads, And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him two. That doesn't mean that, okay, after I go two, I can stop. You know, if you want to go three or four miles, that's okay. You can do that. It's okay. But what we need to do is we need to get out of the way and do what God wants us to do. This morning, Brent had some songs. And one of those that, that he looked at this morning was at 374 in your book. And it's the beautiful, A Beautiful Life. And that last verse kind of goes along with this. It says, While going down life's weary road, I'll try to lift some traveler's load. I'll try to turn the night today, make flowers bloom along the way. That's a, beautiful, uh, that's a beautiful thing in that song, a beautiful verse in that song. We need to make flowers bloom along the way. You know, we come in contact, you come in contact with people every day that you don't know what they've gone through. They, they may have abusive marriage. They may have uh, people at home sick, uh, all kinds of financial issues, whatever the case may be. Just being kind and helping someone and doing the little extra things makes us as a Christian a different person and can have influence on them. Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So, my mom's homesick, my dad's here, but I can say this, truthfully say this, and I'm not bragging, but I am their favorite child. I'm it. Because I'm the only child. That's the reason for that. And, and everybody always says, if you're the only child, oh, they're so spoiled, you know, they, just, they get everything they want and all that. Well, I got a lot of things. I can't deny that. But I didn't get all the things that you think you get when you're an only child. And it's, there's, there's perks to it and there's not perks to it. You know, if you break something, you can't blame your brother, blame your brother or sister for it because there's nobody to blame. You're the one. I, I can't say my brother did it because there's not a brother. But we're brothers and sisters in Christ here. Um, we need to take care of one another. You know, we have a bond here. I've mentioned this before. You know, when you go on vacation and you go to church, <clears throat> it's just an awesome thing because... I could walk into a congregation, I don't know anyone there. And yet, I know without a doubt, if I had some kind of need, had a flat tire or whatever, that, that it would be fulfilled, that some brother and sister would take care of me. I, I don't have to worry about that. I know it would happen. That's another advantage of being a Christian, is you have this group of people that will be there to help you. But it says we need to help our, our uh, the household of faith first. Take care of one another. Take care of one another. So I've noticed, you know, <clears throat> I've been here for a while now. About at nine years already. I can't believe it, but I've been coming here about that long. And I noticed that we all kind of sit in the same spot, don't we? We have our own pew, basically. Now, we don't have our name on it, but we might as well have our name on it because we all pretty much sit in the same spot. And I've thought about moving around because sometimes I don't know you over here enough because I'm sitting over here all the time. But then I'm kind of afraid to do that because I might get your seat. So I don't know whether I should do that or not. 
But think about it. Since we do sit in the same places, you notice when somebody that's sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you, you notice when they're not there, don't you? You notice it. Well, one time, okay, they're, maybe they're gone on vacation or maybe they're sick or, you know, whatever. And then two times they're not there. Say, well, you know, maybe they're still gone or whatever. And then three and four and five, maybe we should check on them, huh? Maybe we should find out why they're not here. Well, you know, we've got elders. That's what they're, they're supposed to take care of the flock, right? I mean, we'll leave it up to them. No. The answer is no. Yes, they're to take care of the flock. But you know that person sits in front of you every Sunday and they're not here for three or four Sundays. You need to check on them. I need to check on them. Make sure they're okay. We need to take care of one another. Don't put it off on someone else. And then it says we're to take care of all people. You know, a lot of people have been converted because of just becoming friends with someone that, that you didn't know. And you, you, you were nice to them. You did something for them. And then before you know it, you were having conversation every, you know, every so often. Uh, maybe you're eating out with them, whatever. It takes a while to, to have someone converted into Christ. But we can't ever do it if we, don't, if we stick to ourselves all the time. Christians should do more than others by attending more. Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You're not forsaking the assembly. You're here tonight. You're here. But we need to encourage one another more. You know, we, when we have fellowship with one another, we can help each other, and we become closer and are more like a family should be. That's why we're to do that. Not only just to be edified and have better understanding of what God wants us to do and commune as we did this morning and those type things, but it's just good all the way around. So we looked at Christians should be more, do more than others by loving God more, by um, loving each other more, by learning God's Word more, by, uh, lit, uh, by having more faith, by going the extra mile, by attending more. Those are all things we need to work on if we're not doing those. But what if you're not doing some of that? What if one of those that, you're, that I read off you're not doing? You're doing pretty good, you know. Say, well, I got, you know, I got this many. So I only got one. That's pretty good. Maybe you need to work on that one that you're having trouble with. Why? What keeps us from doing more? What, what keeps us from doing more? Worldly distractions. That's one answer. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and, he, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So I'm getting older, and I'm not quite twice as old, but I'm almost twice as old, almost, as Jesus was when he died on this earth. I'm almost twice as old as he was. And I'm pretty sure that he had more distractions in his life than I've ever had in my life. And yet, he didn't let the distractions 
bother him. He went on. He finished the race that was set before him. You and I have a race, and we need to finish it just as well. So I think about track. Okay, so <clears throat> my kids did not like track. They didn't, my, my son really didn't like track. That, he'd do anything to not run. And yet after he got out of high school, he ran a half marathon. So I can't put it together. I don't understand it. But when he was in school, he hated track. He just did not like it. And my daughter didn't either. And not many people do. But some do, but not many do. <clears throat> well, they went to a small school. Those of you that go to a small school, those of you who went to a small school, you understand this. Those of you that are in big-time schools, I'll explain it to you. It takes everyone to make a team, okay? It takes everyone to have enough to make a football team. It takes everyone to have enough to make the basketball team. And everybody tries to get out of track, but the coaches tell you if you don't run track, then you can't play these other sports, so you run track. Well, a lot of times you don't have real good athletes. They're not made to run track. They don't like it, for one, and they're just really not cut out for it. And you know where they usually get put? They get put in the last thing of the track meet, which is like the mile, the mile run, four times around. That's a long ways. Well, I've witnessed going to those track meets before that, you know, the one that's not a very good athlete, sometimes they get, the, 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 the star athlete, he, he passes them. He loops them one time. Sometimes I've even seen them get twice. They've, they've passed them twice before they even get, past to get their four laps in. But you know what's interesting about that? Every time that that person that's not good at it and they don't like it, but they stay in the race and they finish the race, they always get applause. Why? They came in last. They got, you know, the, the, the star runner passed them twice. Why do they get applause? Because they finished the race. They finished it. They stuck it out. The person that quits and just runs off the track and walks away, no, no applause. Never. We've got to finish the race. There's a prize at the end. It's heaven. And we've got to finish it. What's keeping us from doing more? Well, lack of fellowship. Proverbs 27, 17, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. We just need to be with one another more. That's what we need to do. And this congregation does a good job of that. But not only do we need to come to the functions that we have, but we need to have people individually in our homes as well, get to know people. So I think about our gospel meetings we hear, have here a couple of times a year. Those are usually a week long, and by the end, we're tired. And those of you that have children are really tired. You're really tired. But you know what? By the end of that meeting... You and I are stronger than the, when, we, when it started. And why is that? Because we're with like-minded believers. We're singing praises to God. 
a week long. We're praying a week long. We're hearing great lessons out of the Bible for a week long. We're fellowshipping one, one with another a week. And we're stronger because of it. And that's why we need to have more fellowship. In 1 Peter 3.8, we read, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted and be courteous. What's keeping us from doing more? Bad time management. Bob gave a really good lesson a few weeks ago about time management. It was really good, and, and it ties in here as well. Ephesians 5 and 15 and 16 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. So we need to walk careful and cautiously as God's instructed. We don't need to be unwise. We don't need to waste our time. We need to take hold of those opportunities that's before us. Here's a fact that is true I'm not a smart person, but I know this is true. I have one less day on this earth today than I had yesterday. And so do you. So do you. That's a fact that is proven. We need to take advantage of the time because we have one less day than we had yesterday. Don't put it off. Do what God asks you to do. What's keeping us from doing more? By not trusting God enough. We need to trust Him more. In 1 Corinthians 2.5, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. We don't need to listen to men that give us ideals that oppose God. Yet, there are many, many, many very persuasive and eloquent speakers in this world that can convince you that the world is flat and not round. They can convince you if you listen enough. There are people that want to disprove the Bible, and they want to pull things out of context, out of the Scripture, and they want to say, you know, that there's not a God, and on and on it goes. And we can't fall for that. We can't listen to that. We have to remember that God and only God has the answers that we're searching for. What's keeping us from doing more? Matthew mentioned this in his prayer. Laziness. Oh, don't say that. I could, I, I, I would, you know, I'm pretty sure that if I went up to one of you tonight and, and, and told you you were lazy, you would not take kindly to that. You wouldn't like it. I don't like it. I wouldn't like it either. But we don't need to be lazy Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of a lazy man desires has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. In Proverbs 10.5, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in the harvest is a son who causes shame. We should always be ready and willing to plant and harvest. Always be ready and willing. So last week when... when uh, Van told us that Gerald, Gerald was, was uh, resigning his position as an elder. He, he finished it up on this, and it was, I thought it was great. He said, but he's still going to be here doing things. You don't retire from the Lord. That's exactly right. We never retire from the Lord. If we do, then we're in deep trouble. 
We never retire from the Lord. That's one thing you'll... Brent and Leslie, you're going to retire, but you're not retiring from the Lord. And thank goodness that you're not. None of us need to do that. What's keeping us from doing more? Excuses. There are a dime a dozen. Many out there. I've used them. I know. In Luke chapter 14, and it's actually starting in 18, I put 19. It actually starts in 18. But before we read that, these people had been invited to a, a really nice supper. And all things were ready and a lot of preparations had been made. And here's why they didn't want to go. They said, well, they said, but all, but with, with, uh, but with, but they with all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask that you have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask that you have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. And what's the common element of all three of these? Selfishness is what it is. Self. Sometimes our selfish desires go above our duty or obligation. And we need to be very careful that we are not caught up in that, that deal. But I can be caught up in that. I have been because sometimes, you know, I want some me time. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like doing that tonight. Well, I need to, you know, kind of reevaluate my thinking. As Christians, we are to be different from the world. We are to be peculiar. It's hard for me to say that word. Webster says that that, that means uh, peculiar. It means different from unusual or normal. Well, I, I think during my banking years, <clears throat> sometimes when people are upset with me, they don't think I'm normal. You know, I, I, I may be a peculiar person. But here, as a Christian, we're not like the world. We're not better than the people in the world. We're not better. And that's why we have to get across to those that, 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 are, that are not Christians. We're not better. We're not. But we do have a promise of heaven, and we want them to have it as well. In Titus 2 and 14, uh, I, I, the other scriptures have been out of the New King James. This is out of King James. I like the way it read better. It says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. In 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, out of the King James as well, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You can go ahead and get your songbooks out right now. We're going to sing a song here in a minute. But before we do, or while you're doing that, I do have four questions, just like I had earlier. A question that you need to answer for yourself. I need to answer for myself. Number one, are you excelling in your Christian walk, or are you underperforming? Are you excelling or underperforming? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Number two, are you doing your best as a child of God or are you doing the least you can do? Number three, 
Have you even taken that step to become a child of God? You know, if you've been studying, and I hope you have, and you know what God wants you to do to become His child, this would be a good night to do that. And I know there's water back here behind me in this baptistry, and this would be a great night to do that. And if you haven't done that, and, you're, and you haven't really even studied that, you might want to try to get with someone to do that. I know a lot of people would be glad to study with you. Now, number four, the question that we started out with and the title of the study is, What do you do more than others? If you have a need tonight, would you come as we stand and sing?